The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is Thursday, May 16th. No, it's not. Um, May 27th. May 26th. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Close. I said 16th. I'm literally looking at it. All right. It's Thursday, May 26th. Like, I'm already messing up and we're just starting. <laughs> but, like, for see, I like to think you don't mess up as much as me because it's like the morning for you. So you're like fresh. <laughs> Oh, and it's like you- the end of the day for me, so I'm just like my brain is fried. I feel less fresh this morning because I woke up super early, couldn't get back to sleep. So I feel like I've been awake for the whole day already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anyways, it's weather update. Um, it's kind of cloudy today. It's a little less hot. Not really any exciting weather here, though. Yeah, it's actually been sunny here. It is cold, but in kind of on the weather chat elmo the echidna is still around i thought he may be gone for the winter by now but i saw him yesterday probably still a little bit early for me to see him today but he still seems to be around so hopefully we'll get a little bit longer i don't know maybe he won't ever hibernate i don't know <laughs> according yeah. to google it tells me he will but who knows maybe it won't get cold enough there yeah i don't know and it, like it is quite warm in the sun here during the day like it still gets to 20 or sometimes even you know higher celsius which i don't know what the equivalent is probably 70 maybe yeah so it still gets warmish in the day so anyway hopefully he'll stick around for a little bit longer we'll have to give weekly updates so that we know (laughs) the status of the friendship because he's we seem less now because there is less sun so I'm assuming he's out in kind of public less (laughs) but when we do see him it's like there he is there he is it's really exciting (laughs) like a celebrity like taking pictures (laughs) where's Wally where's Elmo (laughs) They haven't gotten sick of each other yet. No, she's probably a little bit less enthusiastic (laughs) now she realizes he won't play back with her, but they're still hanging out together, wandering around. (laughs) She's like, I thought you were hibernating by now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did have an eventful night last night. Well, not really, probably for like 20 minutes it was eventful. But for once I have something to talk about that's different. (laughs) So last night me – and Mike, we were just like sitting on the couch chilling. And then I heard the loudest noise ever. And 100% you knew it was like a car crash right away, like a bad one. But it was pretty late at night. And I know I've mentioned it. I live on I live on like a main road, but not in the sense that it's a main speedy road. You could compare it to like a main street in a little town. It's like no one should be going this fast or there should be this loud of a car crash this late at night either. And so we scurry to the windows, being nosy, look around in this car somehow managed to like flip right outside of my apartment and I guess like the person driving hit one of the cars parked on the side of the road and just like flipped the car on the side I have no idea how it could have even happened because you can't even be going that fast really on this road because I'm also at the end so they would have had to have turned on the street like semi recently (laughs) maybe just like you know it's like a perfect storm just kind of clipped it at the exact right angle. that's what I think had to have happened yeah just perfectly so that somehow he managed flipping it onto the side so then i'm like telling Mike, I'm like let's, let's go down there let's see if like the people are okay but then we saw other people like running over so we're like all right let's just like be nosy and look out the window <laughs> so then the guy like gets out of the car somehow and he's literally like fine which is good but 
we were watching and then just so many people came around but no one was really helping everyone was just standing around watching i was like why is no one helping like why is no one asking <laughs> if this guy's okay no one's doing anything and the cops came pretty quickly but then it was like there must have been nothing to do in town because it was literally like every cop three fire trucks two ambulances <laughs> like we're all here and i'm like this doesn't really seem necessary but okay everyone's been waiting for something to happen <laughs> and then it's just like more and more people kept coming so then it's like i know i sent you the picture like people are outside walking their dogs like being like hmm, what's the walk over here and then people <laughs> at the restaurant underneath me like the whole staff's outside watching <laughs> it's funny because me and Mike, we're like looking at the window. We're like, look at all these nosy assholes. They have no shame. And I'm like, as we're literally doing the same thing, but from the privacy of my own home. So no one can see you. Yeah. As I'm like, wow, look at these. These people have no shame. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but the person seemed okay. He was like walking around at the end after they checked him out. We watched them flip the car back over. Very, very exciting. Thrilling. We were waiting. <laughs> we kept like peeking to be like, did they flip it yet? Did they do it yet? <laughs> And then this morning, looked like nothing ever happened. It's crazy. But I'd be pissed if I was one of those parked cars. Yeah, I know. Like just, yeah, minding your own business, car parked on the street and someone destroys it. I think one of the people worked downstairs at the restaurant, so that's even worse. Like you're, you're at work and then like your car gets fucking like totaled and you're not even in it. And, and after work, now it's going to be a big fiasco. Mm, disaster. For sure. But glad no one was hurt. And a lot of my first assumption was, oh, he's probably drunk or something, but he definitely wasn't because he didn't get arrested and he was just kind of like walking around gathering his stuff at the end. So maybe it really was just a freak accident. Yeah. Maybe he was on his phone. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That was my excitement for the week. Um, any big weekend plans? I know your birthday is coming. Yeah, it's my birthday on Sunday. So it's Friday here. Um, I have a dinner tonight with my girlfriends, which will be fun. And then and then just some family birthday things Saturday and Sunday. My kids have got their dance. They're in the dance, you know, I don't know what do you call like it. Recital. Yeah, yeah. So they've got they've got their dress rehearsal on Sunday, which is my actual birthday, so that's fun. <laughs> but yeah, no, so it should be nice. Hopefully nice weather. Just a pretty quiet one, but a nice fun dinner tonight with maybe a few cocktails, which will be fun. Nice. I remember when I was a kid and me and my sister were in dance, my parents always hated going to the like recitals because they were so long. They were like mm. three hours long. <laughs> well, even because it's been held in a theater, the actual recital is next weekend, but mm. it's been held in a theater. But because there were so many people who wanted tickets, they're now doing two shows. So I said to uh, the kids, do you want me to come to the second show? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. And you're so like, thank God. I only have to go to the one. <laughs> yeah. My mom will probably be mad at me for saying that she hated going. She didn't hate going. She just hated how long it was. And then your kid is usually in like five minutes Last, of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's at the very end and it's like they're in the back. <laughs> all right. Well, we're all here for, for true crime. So today we are going to be talking about Brittany Drexel, which I'm sure everyone – I always say that. Like I'm sure everyone's heard of it. I feel like this one is a fair chance most people have heard of it, especially – lately I feel like I always say this lately as well but like I feel like this is one that went cold because it's old you know an older case but you know and, and I never ever thought it would probably be solved after all the false starts and false leads so yeah it's come to a real update and a real head just in the last week or so yeah I feel like even if you didn't really know the case or didn't really follow it you would at least know her name or recognize her picture because it's kind of yeah. become like one of the 
true crime, like cold case mystery staples. She's very distinctive looking, like you would probably not forget the photo once you've seen it. Yeah. Just as a little refresh before we get fully into it, Brittany, she went missing in April 2009 after she went on a spring break trip with her friends to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And really with the case, there was no, there was a lot of accusations of people who did it, a lot of talk, but there was really no movement, it seemed like, literally since 2009. Not like real movement that we knew of anyways. Um, There's just a lot of accusing people, like informant gossip, but there was never like real evidence, I feel like, that they talked about. But yeah, it just kind of seems like one of those cases that would really never be solved. And then one day out of the blue, <sighs> recently, we got the case solved. So we're going to talk about that. The Grand Strand in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a popular and relatively safe place for families and spring breakers. Then one night, everything changed when 17-year-old Brittany Drexel walked out of this hotel, never to be seen or heard from again. I felt in my heart that, you know, she had made this decision that may have cost her her life. What happened to you, baby? Where did you go? Now, seven years later, the FBI may have found the answer to that question. There's people that know exactly what happened. But what one jailhouse snitch is telling the feds is beyond unthinkable. They dispose of the body and what they call the pet. Just the look in her eyes, I can just picture it. And it just plays over and over in my mind every day. But Brittany's mom and dad can only hope and pray it's not true. You just don't want to believe that. No. So we'll start, as usual, with a little background about Brittany. She was born in Rochester, New York, on October 7th, 1991. So she would have been around my age, really. It's always, like, weirds me out when they're, like, born in the same year as me, because then I'm like, oh, she would have been, like, this old today. Yeah. But when they're not born the same year as me, I'm not good enough at doing math. So <laughs> can't figure it out. So, yes, she was born October 7th, 1991, to her mother, Dawn. We don't really know who her biological father is because he's never really been mentioned. I don't really think he was a part of her life for long. Um, he doesn't really matter to the story anyway. So, But Dawn, the mother, she ended up marrying a man named Chad Drexel when Brittany was very young. So she's kind of always, she kind of always knew him to be her father. Um, he ended up adopting her, so she took his last name. Her mother said that um, Brittany's biological father was Turkish and that he had a very distinctive look. So she had a very distinctive look um, and they were, quote, very European looking is what the mother said. Um, I mean, she does have a distinctive look, like you were saying before, like if you've seen pictures of her, you just kind of remember what she looks like. Yeah. She was born with a condition called persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous in her right eye. Um, so she had to undergo some surgeries for that and eventually her I was rendered blind. When you have one eye that's weaker than the other one, I know this because I'm at risk of it. Um, one eye, when your one eye is weaker than the other one, obviously the blind one, it has a tendency to like drift, kind of like what you would know as a lazy eye. But to stop that from being so obvious, she wore 
contact lenses so you couldn't see when her eye would drift so that also gave her a very distinct look yeah I was gonna say I wonder if if that is part of the distinctive look because her eyes are crazy crazy blue in a lot of the photos yeah she had two younger siblings that we know of a sister named Marissa and a brother named Camden those are the only ones we've seen mentioned so we're gonna just say that that's all of them Chad was in the military and because of that the family moved around a lot when Brittany was young but they ended up eventually settling in Chile, a suburb in Rochester. Growing up, Brittany was said to be a great soccer player. She was very fast on her feet, people said. Her mother said, this is a quote from her mom, she said her teeth were beautiful. She always looked good. She shopped at Abercrombie and Hollister. She was a size zero, zero, then a zero. Everything was perfect. Her hair, her makeup, um, I think I think that's like the weirdest quote, but <laughs> like if I went missing and my mom was remembering me, maybe if I was a size zero, I would want my mom to like tell the world. Like, but just it seems like quote. that's not the things that you really want to focus on. Like you'd be like, oh wow, she loved you know loved her friends and loved her family. Like not about just the physical style or like where I shopped. <laughs> which yes, Abercrombie and Hollister were trendy at the time. But anyways. Not trying to be a judgy bitch at the mom, but <laughs> it's just like such a strange quote. Um, and the grandmother also threw in that she, Brittany, loved going out to eat, which is, I feel like, a little more normal thing to say. Yeah. It sounds like she was quite outgoing. You know, she had a good group of friends, was very popular amongst her friends. And I think that's kind of what maybe what the mother was, you know, trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany, she was also studying cosmetology in 2009 and she aspired to be a model. That's probably kind of why the mom said, too, like she was studying cosmetology. Mm. She wanted to be a model. So, you know, she liked makeup, clothes. It's probably more so what she meant to say was that she liked, you know, looking nice. Yeah, just her interest. That's what she was into. Yeah. So in 2008, Dawn and Chad, the stepfather, split up. And Brittany would have been around 16, 17 at this time. And Brittany had a hard time with separation. Um, It was difficult for her. Her grades began to suffer because of it. And she started to struggle more with depression. Um, she continued to live with her mother, Dawn, but in, still kept in close contact with Chad. So in April 2009, Brittany asked her mother if she could go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, with her friends and her boyfriend for spring break. Her mother said no because she didn't know the other teens that Brittany would be traveling with. The mom said, I told her I didn't know the kids. There was no parental supervision. And I told her if she came to Myrtle Beach, something would happen to her. So... I don't think it's too strange that the mom said no. I mean, she was only 17 and South Carolina is pretty far away. Like it's one thing to go from like New York to the Jersey Shore with your friends or somewhere yeah, and around especially there. not knowing the people that she was going with. Like I wouldn't be happy for my kid to drive 13 hours with people I didn't know and, you know. Yeah, like it's far away. And especially because yeah. Myrtle Beach is like a spring break like yeah. town. Like where sketchy stuff quiet. happens. Yeah, Yeah. it's not going to be quiet where they're just going to go and read a book for a week or something. Yeah, Yeah. it's not like you're going to like Lake George to hang out. It's a very touristy party area. So I can see why the mother would have said no. I really don't think. My mom let me do a lot of things, but I don't know. She would have let me go to South Carolina for spring break in high school. Yeah. Obviously, since Brittany was a teen, her and her mother fought a lot over this decision. Um, On April 22nd, Brittany asked if she could go stay at a friend's house for a few days to cool down and give them some space from each other, and her mother agreed to let her do that. So 
Instead, of course, Brittany snuck off to travel to South Carolina with her friends anyways behind her mother's back, which in the end would be a decision that would forever affect the lives of her family members. So her boyfriend didn't end up going on the trip, actually, because of his job. He couldn't get off of work, but he said that he stayed in contact with her via text while she was gone. So the group of friends that she traveled with were named Jennifer Oberer, Philip Oberer, and Alana Lippa. The drive from Chile to Myrtle Beach is around 800 miles, which is about 13 hours. Um, They checked into the Bar Harbor Hotel when they arrived. It's a two-star hotel. That seems to still be operating. Seems a little sketchy. Of course, Olivia had to check out the vibe. (laughs) She got us some reviews to read. So this review of the place says, My husband and I finally decided to take a much-needed mini vacation. We checked in the hotel, and when we got inside, I was disgusted. Broken bathroom door, blood on the couch, pee stains under the cushions, and cocaine residue on the table. We went to the front desk to complain, and were told... And we were told, we know what goes on in these rooms, as long as you don't break the TV. As we checked out early, a drug deal was happening at the front door, and we were refused a refund. Run. Don't walk away. Do not stay at the Bar Harbor Hotel. So it seems like just a typical shitty spring break going down there with your friends to a party motel. Like, and I'm not surprised at 17 that that is the kind of place they were staying at because they probably didn't have a whole bunch of money and it would have been expensive at spring break anyway. But yeah, like after, after our senior prom, we go to like the Jersey Shore. Usually that was like the thing to do. And we stayed at definitely a just as shitty motel after prom when I was a senior in high school. So (laughs) like that's just what what the kids do. (laughs) These days I would never. (laughs) So what they did for the first day or two isn't really known. We could assume that they just kind of probably went to the beach, hung out, did whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany called her mother at one point and told her that she was at the beach. Dawn wasn't alarmed because she thought that Brittany had been referring to like a local beach, uh, Charlotte Beach. We've read articles that said that it was apparently 83 degrees that day, but I feel like 83 degrees in New York in April would be like crazy warm. Um, So we're not sure how true that is, but I guess it seemed like a warm enough day anyways that Brittany could have been at the beach, maybe not swimming, but like hanging out, tanning. I don't know. But her mother just assumed that. So it's interesting that she was like, yeah, I'm at the beach, but didn't like say where. So she's not really lying when she said that. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, well, I was at the beach. Mm. So on April 24th, Brittany and her friends went to Club Kryptonite in Myrtle Beach. The club is no longer operational. It seems like it closed down the same year that Brittany disappeared. Brittany allegedly knew a club promoter from Rochester who was also in Myrtle Beach at the time. His name was Peter Brazowitz. The mother, Dawn, she said he was a promoter at a club back home in Rochester. He was 20, Britt was 17, and he took her to Club Kryptonite. Peter introduced Brittany to four other men at the club. There was Anthony Shamizi, Philip Watson, Keith Cummings, and Matthew Abrams. The following day, Brittany walked down to the beach near a hotel called the Blue Water Resort, which is where Peter and his friends were staying. She did this a few times during her stay in Myrtle Beach, so it seems like she went over there to maybe go visit them. Um, Her final trip to see Peter was on April 25th, 2009. She walked from the Bar Harbor Hotel to the Blue Water Resort around 8 p.m. 
security cameras at the Blue Waters where it show her arriving. She was carrying a beige purse, wearing a black and white tank top, flip flops and shorts. Cameras capture her leaving around 845. It seems like Brittany didn't stay long because she was having an argument with her friend Jen Ober via text about a pair of shorts. It seems like Brittany was wearing Jen's shorts or took Jen's shorts and she wanted them back and she was pissed off. Right, today two close friends of Brittany admit they don't have a lot to hold on to as this case stretches on, but they hope one day to learn what happened to their friend. Brittany Drexel was dating John Greco when she went missing in 2009. He was here in the Rochester area texting her when she disappeared. She got into a fight with her friends when she was down there and uh, I was telling her just to have a good time and try to enjoy the time that she had left. He was there with family searching for Brittany from the very beginning and two years later he wears a constant reminder of her. Right now I'm wearing her ring. Um, and pretty much there is nothing in my house that doesn't remind me of her. Brandon Trentini was friends with both Brittany and John, and he says the fact that she's missing is still surreal. It's tough, you know. It's The trail went cold, and that happens a lot. And, I mean, it's hard because there's no closure. Both Trentini and Greco are convinced Brittany was abducted. Even though there are no new details in the case, the search continues. Brittany's mom was in Myrtle Beach this weekend. She told me police are still following up on leads. And Greco says he'll never stop searching for the girl he describes as his best friend. Absolutely not. There's, there's times where it becomes hard because you run into dead ends, but... As far as the family goes and as far as staying in contact with the family and the police department, that'll continue until she's found. So, yeah, they talk about the, there is a disappeared episode with Brittany. It's a very early one, um, so a lot of it's probably a little bit outdated now, but it does give you an insight as to what they first believed was the timeline and kind of her movements. And, yeah, they did say that she was wearing Jen shorts and Jen had decided that she wanted them back and wanted to wear them, which is why Brittany had to leave kind of soonish after arriving at the Blue Water Resort. Um, and in the disappeared episode too, they interview her boyfriend, John, a lot. He has said that he was texting back and forth kind of continuously with Brittany as she was walking and that she had kind of reiterated to him that she was miserable on the trip and that she wasn't having a good time and that she was really looking forward to getting home. So it seems like this kind of spring break trip wasn't all that she thought it would be. Yeah, it seems like they were all kind of arguing at this point or not getting along. Yeah, it doesn't sound like from what I've read that they knew each other particularly well, like it wasn't like her best friends or anything like that. It was just a group that she knew was going down there. So it's kind of maybe a bit awkward and a bit, you know, yeah, just yeah. not the greatest time for her. Yeah, and that also might be why her mom was like, I've never even heard you like talk about these people. Like, Yeah, yeah. So John, her boyfriend, he said that he stopped receiving texts from her around 9.15. So from there, I guess it seemed kind of like abrupt that she just stopped answering. So he contacted her friends that she was down there with to see if they had heard from her and they hadn't. Um, he became more worried then after no one had heard from her and contacted her mother to let her know that Brittany was nowhere to be found. And to her surprise, uh, Brittany was in South Carolina. Mm. So from there, Dawn, the mother, she called Chad, the stepdad, who then called Rochester police. Um, they kept texting and calling Brittany, but all communication went unanswered. Her mother said, we kept trying to call Britt's cell phone and nothing. Her final phone pings were late on April 25th and early on April 26th near the Charleston and Georgetown County line. The pings went in the path of 50 to 60 miles south of Myrtle Beach. 
Around 1 a.m. on April 26, Peter, the friend, club promoter friend, he checked out of the Blue Water Resort. And I was thinking, like, I know there might be more of the story, but immediately I was like, why would they check out at 1 a.m.? But I know, like, when I go to North Carolina or, like, when I come back from North Carolina, I usually try to leave at, like, 4 in the morning because it's, like, a 13-hour drive. So it's not that weird. Yeah, I never really thought about that. I always thought that they kind of included the time in the timeline that he checked out at 1 a.m. because that is sus. Like, who really mm-hmm. would check out of a hotel at 1 a.m.? Um, but, yeah, that makes sense. I never really thought about that as a good point that maybe he had to travel back and it was going to be a long drive and he needed to be home, you know, at lunchtime the next day or something. So, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it was weird. Maybe something happened, but maybe they just had a long drive ahead of them. Yeah. I think um, it, like that kind of was the start of a lot of the suspicion that was placed on Peter in this case. Like why, why, why was he leaving at 1am? Why would he rush to leave? Um, which, you know. Yeah. It does seem sketchy. I, I only really thought of it because I was like, that's what time not I wouldn't leave that early I mean I would if I could but I have to sleep a little when I go to North Carolina but I still try to like leave by four so but yeah if they were like local and checking out at 1 a.m I'd be like that's super weird yeah so the formal search for Brittany started on the morning of April 26th Myrtle Beach police found CCTV footage of Brittany at the Blue Water Resort and they questioned Peter and his friends obviously it seems like they might have been the last people to see her at the time, Captain David Nipes said, everybody has been questioned. Everybody involved has been questioned. Nobody has been ruled in or out, and there are no persons of interest to report. Brittany's family deposited money into her account, hoping that maybe there'd be some bank activity if she had access to money, but there wasn't anything. Um, so Dawn and Brittany's boyfriend, John, traveled from Rochester to Myrtle Beach. Dawn spoke to the media and said that she tried to reach out to Peter for information She said, we had Peter on the phone three or four times asking why he didn't call the cops and why he wasn't out looking for her. And he just said he wasn't a babysitter. What? I don't get I know this is like looking back, but even like in that moment, she like left them and then disappeared. So like, how would he even know to call the cops? Yeah. Like, how would he have even known? I guess he knew that she was missing once the police contacted him and got the CCTV and all that. But, but what, he wouldn't be st- calling the cops then. <laughs> and by that stage, he, it sounds like he was probably halfway back to Rochester. So, or, you know, even maybe the whole way. So yeah, it's, it's weird that, I don't know, like, I, I know it is suspicious that he was probably the last person to see Brittany, but yeah, it's, that's a strange statement. I agree. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have known she was missing immediately because it doesn't seem like they're that good of friends really dawn has also said that the other three people britney had been traveling with never tried to help search for her um she said i never spoke to them or any of their parents dawn also spoke out about what she thought britney's motivation for disobeying her was and going to myrtle beach this info comes from myhorrynews.com um says she thinks britney agreed to disobey her mother because she was promised something by somebody that might have been a modeling job her mother thinks her mom says, quote, her mental stability wasn't good. I was losing my home. My ex-husband had moved out and we were going through a divorce. She wants security and stability, maybe a modeling job. She always wanted to be a model. Girls can be lured. Maybe they were grooming her. I feel like she probably just wanted to go party with her friends, honestly, but yeah. just like go to South Carolina for fun. I haven't seen anything ever really besides that quote from Dawn about there possibly being a modeling job. I think, yeah, I agree. She just really wanted to go. She was having a shitty time at home and she just thought might as well. Yeah. I know like one theory the mom had for a long time is that she was like sex trafficked. And I feel like that's 
one of those things that I don't know if it's really true, but you hear about it like, oh, that's how they like sex traffic you. They promise you like this modeling job or they lure you over and then they abduct you and sex traffic you. So I feel like that's where that also could have come from. Monica Kason from the CUE Center for Missing Persons spoke about the search for Brittany. She said, at the onset, we searched 11 days straight, sun up, sun down, nonstop. For the first five or six months, there were large-scale searches every day from 200 to 500 people involved in each one. One particular weekend, there were 800 people looking for Brittany. So over the years, there was a lot of suspicion cast on Peter, the club promoter friend. As it was believed, he was the last person to see Brittany alive. On May 11th, Dawn and Chad appeared with Peter on the Dr. Phil show. Um, this was just over two weeks after she was seen. It's um, so, it seems like it's so quick to me, like, <laughs> to get all three of them on the Dr. Phil show. Like, maybe Dawn after. and Chad to get on there straight away and kind of try and raise awareness. But then, I don't know, it just seems like that was a it really quick fast. turnaround time. Yeah. I feel like it's probably because she was a cute blonde white girl, so... Yeah, had a exactly. lot of attention. And spring break, you know, like you can't yeah. get more more me- more media friendly than that. Yeah, very clickbaity for the news. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I love a Dr. Phil clip, so I'll put in <laughs> some clips. <laughs> well, it's the story that has every parent hugging their child a little tighter each day. Seventeen-year-old Brittany Drexel went to Myrtle Beach for spring break against her parents' wishes, and she hasn't been seen since. Now, Peter Brozowitz. Uh, was reportedly one of the last people with Brittany the night she disappeared. And today he's speaking out for the first time. He's with his attorney, John. Yes, right, absolutely. Th- John Perinello. Okay, thank you. Thank you, John. I appreciate both you and, and Peter being here. Peter, mm-hmm. is there anything that you can shed light on in this situation that these parents may not know? I know just as much as the rest of the media. Um, like I said, the media twists everything that's going on. You weren't there. I was there with four other people, and I'm the one that's singled out. Well, so tell us what happened. When was the last time you, you saw Brittany, and what took place during that encounter? The last time I saw her, she came up to our hotel room. Um, we were watching the uh, Yankees-Red Sox game, and she was on the phone arguing with her friend Jen about returning a pair of shorts. Mm-hmm. And she walked out. We all saw her walk out, and uh, that's the last time I saw her. Okay, and this was on Saturday, is that correct? Peter tried to talk her into staying, but she insisted on leaving. Now, whether she ever got back to Jen to return the shorts, we don't know. So, Peter, were you and, were, were you and Brittany friends? Yes, I've known her for a couple of years. Right. Did you date or were you just friend friends? No, no, just friends. Okay. And you, you spent some time with her in Myrtle Beach, but you didn't know she was going to be there, correct? I had no idea. Yeah. When she left at 8 o'clock, roughly, 8.13, whatever it was, did, did you have any plans to see her later in the evening? She said, I'll give you a call later if I want to come out and party. You never did hear from her after she left? No. What kind of mood, Peter, was she in when she left? She, she honestly, I would, she was in a decent mood. She didn't seem too upset, which was my concern. If I walked a mile down a strip by myself for that long and uh, had to go all the way back to drop off my friend's shorts that I borrowed, I mean, 
I, I would never do that. Why would I want to walk all the way back? D did she say anything to you in the time that y'all hung out down there that suggested to you that she was planning to run away or any plans that she had in any way whatsoever? Can you shed any light on this at all? Not a single thing. She didn't mention anything about meeting anybody, um, going out anywhere, nothing. So on the show, Dawn said, it seems to me that someone took Brittany, either she got in the car willingly or may have met somebody or may have met somebody there that maybe she trusted she was hanging out with since that Wednesday when she came down to South Carolina. She always says, like, came down and, like, here because she moved to South Carolina. <laughs> so it always throws me off. Yeah, I know. She's not, not talking in the right locations. <laughs> yeah. Um, the stepfather, Chad, he said, I don't feel that Brittany got hurt. I just have a gut feeling as her dad that she's run somewhere. Peter appeared on the show with his attorney, John Perinello. His attorney said Peter submitted a DNA sample at the request of Myrtle Beach Police, and there's no possible way that Peter Brozowitz had anything to do with Brittany's disappearance. As the year went on, Britney's case was highlighted on America's Most Wanted in People magazine. It was a very high-profile case, and she was also featured on an episode of Disappeared, which aired in 2010 that we mentioned before. Um, I'm sure there's tons of things, tons of things that have done stories and specials on her. It was a big case for a long time. Yeah. Dawn, she ended up moving to Myrtle Beach to continue to search for Britney. In December 2009, campers found sunglasses investigators believed could have been linked to the case. Myrtle Beach Police announced that they had three, possibly four persons of interest. In June 2010, more than a year after she disappeared, Brittany was honored at her high school graduation ceremony, Gates Chili High. Um, they gave her an honorary diploma and invited her family to the graduation. School officials said it was the first honorary diploma issued in Gates Chili High history. In August 2010, the city of Myrtle Beach announced 20 new surveillance cameras would be installed. This action was prompted by Brittany's disappearance. In November, based on an anonymous tip, police searched an area near Charleston, South Carolina. Brittany's mother, Dawn, said it was the 47th search conducted since her daughter had disappeared. Fast forward a little to August 2011, the name Raymond Moody first became associated with this case. Police searched Raymond's former apartment in connection with Brittany's disappearance. In February 2012, police said that Raymond Moody was the primary person of interest in Brittany's disappearance. A statement from police said that there was no new information to share and that Moody was one of many people that have been investigated over the course of this investigation. Um, Dawn told News 8 on February 16, 2012, that if police had new information about her daughter's disappearance, they would have reached out to her. And she said they had not done so regarding the Raymond Moody info. I don't know if they would have reached out to her. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking Del with Delphi, the families are always like, they don't really tell us anything. If it's something that's going public, they tell us like right before. It's such a weird case. Like, I don't know how they could have all these totally, absolutely different people be pe persons of interest. Like, it mm -hmm. feels like they just somehow got lucky in there. It looks like they, it's like they were throwing darts at a board. Yeah. In September 2012, Dawn wrote a letter that she hoped would lead to some tips and some more info. Um, this letter was released right before it would have been Brittany's 21st birthday. It's really long. Um, I'm just going to read the first half because it does have some interesting points and information in it so this is the letter 
This letter is being written concerning information that I am aware of that surrounds the disappearance of Brittany Drexel, who went missing in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The past three years have been a heart-wrenching experience, and I know someone has knowledge of what happened to my daughter. On April 25, 2009, I received a call that no mother would ever want to receive, saying that my daughter was in Myrtle Beach and the caller could not find her. This is where my nightmare began. My frantic calls to her cell phone the days that followed went unanswered, trailing straight to her voicemail. Once learning the identity of the people she went to South Carolina with on spring break, I began to make calls to them, beginning first with Peter. I desperately sought any information from him concerning my daughter's whereabouts, and his reply was, and I quote, I don't know, and I'm not her babysitter. I then requested if he could go out and search for her. Again, his response was negative. He refused to participate in anything concerning my daughter. I called Peter at least six or seven times that night. Three different stories were told to me, and never did I obtain any truth. I gave up. As I found out more additional phone numbers of the people from New York Brittany traveled with, I called to no avail. Those people would not answer my calls in my frustration to get someone who could help. I contacted a friend of our family who is in the military hours away and requested of him to go there and look for my daughter and to file a missing persons report, and he did immediately. I was already en route from my home with family and friends. Arriving in Myrtle Beach, I learned Peter, a club promoter, and his friends had left at 1 a.m. to head back to Rochester, New York, and that they'd been asked to leave the hotel for remarks that were made to one of the hotel employees at the Blue Water Resort. He left his belongings and a $100 deposit. Peter arrived in Rochester, placing pictures on the internet of him at a barbecue and other fun activities. Then he hired attorney John Paranello. Brittany had known him for five years, and he displayed no empathy or concern of my missing daughter. The others who Brittany rode with were still there, leaving two days later upon my arrival, but they only stayed that long due to police questioning them. Not one person that was with my daughter helped me in any way. Not one of them ever contacted me with concern or offered any help. And not any of the parents of these people to this day have reached out to help or console me in my grief. It was and still remains a hard thing for me to understand. Most human beings have compassion for a total stranger, but not this group. I began to receive calls from my family and friends back in New York that these same people who were the last ones to see my daughter were posting nasty remarks about my daughter and mad because she ruined their vacation. Their slanderous lies and horrible actions only aided the pain I was suffering along with all who love Brittany Drexel. But this is all they did. They have never told what happened or offered any additional help to my daughter's investigation. My daughter made mistakes, and one of the largest ones she ever made was when she, when she trusted this group of people with her life. I later found out the girls in this group of people treated my daughter poorly, and by Brittany's text messages to her then-boyfriend revealed how miserable she really was. Brittany was also packed that day to leave. My daughter, in Wellich streets, packed with beach vacationers from all over, walked from the Bar Harbor to the Blue Water to get a pair of shoes she had left in a vehicle earlier that day. While walking, text messages rung in from Jen wanting her shorts returned for that outing plan that night. Then there is the infamous camera shot of my daughter entering the blue water and exiting, never to be seen or heard from again. My question is, when she entered, she went to the right, but the elevators were to the left. That's always bothered me because the only thing to the right is the hotel pool area. So then from there, the letter goes on and on, pretty much with the same tone, same vibe, just how things aren't lining up for the mom. Um, and the rest of it's kind of just like, what could have happened to my daughter? Like, did someone abduct her? So yeah, the whole thing will be on the blog if you want to read the rest of it. But that was kind of the main part with information that would pertain to the timeline and 
what we're talking about in this episode. So there wasn't too much movement in Britney's case over the kind of following years. There would occasionally be human remains found. You know, people would always speculate that maybe it was Britney, but they were always somehow ruled out as belonging to her. In June 2016, the FBI held a news conference during which they stated that they believed Britney had been murdered shortly after her disappearance. They said she'd been abducted from Myrtle Beach and taken to somewhere in the vicinity of Georgetown, which is near where her cell phone pings had ended, and that she'd been killed in that location. The FBI put up a $25,000 reward for information in her case at that time. In August 2016, the Charleston Post and Courier named 26-year-old Timothy Deshaun Taylor as a man who may have thrown Britney's body into a pit of alligators. According to their reporting, the FBI said an informant told them that Timothy held, raped and killed Britney at a home before disposing of her body in an alligator-infested swamp. Timothy was arrested weeks later on an unrelated robbery charge. His attorneys have said that he was immediately interrogated about Britney's case, but he was never charged in relation to it. A lot of the information about Timothy and Britney came from a man named Taquan Brown. So Taquan said that he'd been at the stash house in McClellanville, South Carolina to give money to Sean Taylor, who was Timothy's father. He said he saw Britney run from the house, but she was recaptured. He said he then saw Timothy pistol whip Britney and take her back inside. He then heard two gunshots, which he assumed was Britney being killed, and that he then saw a wrapped body being removed from the house and dumped in one of the alligator ponds in the area. Another informant also gave some information that corroborated what Taquan had said. He said that Timothy had picked up Brittany in Myrtle Beach and taken her to McClellanville, where he showed her off to friends and tried to sell her to, to them for trafficking purposes. But after Brittany's case became so high profile, Timothy killed her. So Timothy issued a statement to the media protesting his innocence in regards to Britney's disappearance. He said, I had no involvement with anything to do with Britney Drexel. I don't know Taquan Brown and I don't know why he would call my name. Um, so just kind of as a side note, Timothy always said he was innocent in Britney's case. He never, ever, you know, admitted to anything in regards to it, which obviously for good reason now. But yeah, at the time he said that he was innocent also. So Chad responded to Timothy's statement with his own thoughts and he said, without a doubt, Timothy Deshaun Taylor is a suspect in my daughter's disappearance and murder. My family and I will be following the FBI's request to keep specific details in our daughter's case under wraps until this horrible piece of trash goes to prison for life. After the guilty verdict, we will be happy to dispel these fairy tales that are being spun by Timothy's families. It is disgraceful the way this family and their friends are supporting and claiming innocence of a proven felon without even looking at the evidence presented and the facts surrounding the case. In March 2018, federal prosecutors announced that Timothy had failed a polygraph t- test in regards to Britney's case. He had taken that test in 2017. Um, the prosecutors urged a judge to sentence Timothy to up to 20 years in prison under a plea deal in a robbery case. The defense team claimed federal prosecutors were only pursuing a lengthy prison sentence because of a lack of closure in Britney's case. In 2019, Taquan Brown, who was kind of the informant, launched a lawsuit because he said his life was in imminent danger after authorities released his statement about Britney's case to the media. So this info about the lawsuit is from rochesterfirst.com. It says the suit says the release of Taquan's testimony to the media inflames the individuals responsible for Britney's murder hatred for the plaintiff. Plaintiff currently has a $15,000 bounty on his head and currently has a gang, Bloods, trying to cash in on that bounty. 
So then it just goes into some more information about who the lawsuit was against, which was Assistant U.S. Attorney Jim May, FBI Agent Jeffrey Long, Stage Attorney General, I think that is, Alan Wilson, Jeffrey Scott with the Gang Unit Division of the SC Department of Corrections, Brian Sterling, who was the Commissioner of Department of Corrections and also another prisoner. Taquan alleged at the time that the defendants had conspired to violate his civil rights, deny him access to court for his PCR hearing and deny him equal protection of laws. So that lawsuit was launched in 2019. I can't find any updates on that. Maybe it's kind of been delayed because of COVID. Don't know if it's still ongoing, but I haven't found anything to say it's been dropped or settled or anything like that. So so Timothy Taylor was held in prison while awaiting trial on the armed robbery charge. He was in there because he was accused of being the getaway driver in a 2011 robbery of a fast food restaurant. In December 2019, he was released from prison and he was sentenced to time served. He'd been waiting in prison for his trial for 319 days and he had been facing up to 10 years in prison. This info about Timothy is from an article at the time by Live 5 News. It says, Judge David Norton noted that the only blemish on Timothy's criminal record is a traffic ticket. Uh, Timothy's attorney spoke outside the court following his release and he spoke about Britney's disappearance. He said, there's been whispers from government agents about that, but never a single written accusation that we can respond to. Brittany Drexel's disappearance is the underlying issue for why Timothy Taylor is now being prosecuted in federal court. His attorneys have called it a squeeze job by the U.S. Attorney's Office, accusing prosecutors of trying to put Taylor away for an unrelated crime, all in hopes of getting more information on those involved in Drexel's disappearance and death. Taylor's new counsel, Charleston attorney Chris Adams, says this isn't the way he believes the justice system should work. This is a man who paid his debt, the full debt that was ordered by the judge, based on all the understanding of the facts. The federal government had no interest at all in the case. They've only resurrected and dusted off that old case because they're investigating another case that they can't charge. In 2011, two years after Drexel went missing, Taylor was the conspirator and getaway driver for an armed robbery at a McDonald's in Mount Pleasant. He was 18 at the time and pleaded guilty to state charges. He was given a youthful offender sentence and served 18 months of probation. But because he pleaded guilty then, his defense team acknowledged he would likely have to do the same when the federal government brought their own charges against him five years later for conspiracy to commit Hobbs Act robbery. The U.S. Attorney's Office claims Taylor affected interstate commerce with his involvement in the McDonald's robbery and that his state sentence wasn't harsh enough to match the crime. When Taylor was indicted in 2016, his former attorneys argued that it was a violation of the double jeopardy rule, that he was being charged for the same crime twice, and that the federal government was abusing an exception to that rule by trying to put him away for a crime he already confessed to and was convicted of. Taylor's new attorney calls the prosecution's strategy fundamentally un-American. So April 2019 marked the 10-year anniversary of Britney's disappearance. Dawn spoke to the media again at that time and she said, I believe that someone knows what happened to my daughter. They just don't want to come forward because they're afraid. The FBI said at that time that they believed that Britney was taken outside Myrtle Beach around 60 miles, held against her will for days, and then was murdered. And they also said again that they believed her body was dumped in an alligator pit and that information had come from an informant. 
Things went quiet, so that was 2019. The next kind of media update was 2021, where Timothy Taylor's mother spoke to the media and begged for them to stop associating Timothy with Britney's case. I've seen her name reported as both Joan and Joanne. I'm pretty sure it's Joan, so that's what we'll refer to her as in this episode. She said, please stop associating him with Brittany Drexel. It has not been proven that my son did anything with this young lady. We just really appreciate it if you don't associate him with Brittany Drexel. He's not here for that. And every time you do that, you put our family at risk. So this is, you know, over 10 years later, he's still been associated with her with no actual proven connection, it seems. That's so annoying. Also, like, mm. what's an alligator pit? Like, do they just mean a swamp? Like, there's not just like a pit uh, of alligators somewhere i'm assuming it's just like a small water way where they know alligators are i know it just seems like a stupid thing to say so britney's case really did seem to be growing colder by the by the day more than 11 years though after his name first became associated with the case raymond moody surprisingly or surprisingly to the public anyway confessed to killing britney on may 4th 2022 He confessed after he had turned himself into the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office on an obstruction of justice charge. After he confessed, he told authorities where Brittany's remains could be found, and on May 11, police found human remains buried about four feet into the ground. They were found in the woods off a gated private drive in Georgetown, South Carolina, and Brittany was identified through dental records and DNA testing. Um, Police held a press conference and Dawn spoke. She said, this is truly a mother's worst nightmare. I'm mourning my beautiful daughter, Brittany, as I have been for 13 years, but today it's bittersweet. We are much closer to the closure and and the peace that we have been desperately hoping for. Today marks the beginning of a new chapter. The search for Brittany is now a pursuit for Brittany's justice. So just kind of as a little aside note, I don't know why they were so bent on her being found or, you know, dumped in an alligator pit when essentially know, right? she wasn't. I don't know why they were so public with that when there was no truth to it, it seems. It's so random, like an alligator pit. Like, I get it. I feel like that's like something that doesn't actually happen. I'm sure it does. But you know what I mean? Like, it's something that people say, like, online, on forums that are just like gossiping maybe they kind of assumed that she likely was dumped in an alligator pit because they hadn't found her for 13 years like you know after all these searches maybe we haven't found her because there is nothing to be found yeah but anyway just that always struck me as interesting that that was absolutely not what happened in the end and just weird that they like said it like in a press conference and multiple times over multiple years it wasn't just a one-off tip they obviously were pursuing that as a very um likely you know scenario so strange so raymond was charged with murder kidnapping and criminal sexual conduct in the first degree he told police that he strangled britney on the day that she vanished and that he buried her body the next day this morning an answer to the disappearance of an upstate new york woman 13 years ago that gained national attention britney drexel last seen on spring break in myrtle beach south carolina in april 2009 was kidnapped and brutally murdered police say by a man they suspected all along. Every police officer has that one case that frequents their every waking thought. This was that case for many people. Investigators have concluded Raymond Moody snatched Brittany at just 17 years old, sexually assaulted and killed her before burying her body one day after her disappearance. Moody, a convicted sex offender, is now charged with obstruction of justice, murder, kidnapping, and first-degree criminal sexual conduct. Police have not said how they determined Moody was her killer, but her remains were found by investigators searching a wooded area. Her parents, 
heartbroken. Weighing this all out is tough on a dad, tough on a mother, but having faith and hope is what's going to guide us through the end result. Today, Brittany would have been 30 years old. I've been waiting for this day for 13 years, uh, ever since the you know, the day Brittany disappeared, I never thought we would get to this place. And we're finally here, and now I can get Brittany back and lay her to rest. The Georgetown County Sheriff Carter Weaver spoke at the press conference too, and he said, To the Drexel family, we mourn with you and pray for you as you cope with the tragedies of 13 years ago. No one deserves to go through this, and our hearts go out to you. Our only hope is that this finding allows your family to grieve properly for Brittany. So as a bit of a kind of insight into Raymond, he's a real creep. He's a bad guy. Um, there's a bit of a rundown on his criminal history. He was sentenced to California Department of Corrections and Rehab from Solano Ca- County on December 15, 1983 to serve a 40-year and four-month sentence for sodomy of a child under the age of 14 while infi- inflicting great bodily injury, rape with force, threat of violence, lewd acts with a child under the age of 14, and assault with intent to commit mayhem. He was released um, to parole supervision after that charge on June 9, 2004, and he was discharged from parole on June 9, 2007. In 2008, he was charged with indecent exposure in Georgetown. That charge was later reduced to disorderly public conduct. In 2010, he was charged with first offence for failing to register as a sex offender. In 2012, which was around the same time that he was named as a person of interest in Brittany's case, he was also named as a person of interest in the disappearance of Crystal Souls. Crystal was 28 when she disappeared in Andrews, South Carolina on January 24, 2005. She was last seen at a a corner store called Shaw's Corner Store. According to her son Mitchell, she called home moments earlier to ask one of her parents to come and pick her up. Her mother was at work at the time and her father had cancer, so he was unable to drive and get her. She then told them that she was going to make the short walk back home, but she never made it. Her son Mitchell said it was during that walk home that she vanished or was kidnapped or whatever happened to her. So as of May 2022, Crystal remains missing. And as far as we know, Raymond hasn't confessed to police about being involved in her case, which I think maybe he would have if he's already confessed to Brittany. What would he have to lose by confessing to Crystal as well if he was involved in it? But I feel like, though, he only confessed to Brittany because he was on his way to getting caught. Yeah, yeah, true. But yeah, I think the obstruction of justice charge had to do with Brittany, so I feel like he probably, they were on to him. I don't know if he took some sort of deal or anything, but I feel like he only confessed because he knew his days were numbered, not because he felt guilty. So Raymond had a long-term partner apparently named Angel Vores, I think is how you say her last name. I have seen some other articles, though, that say he had a cell husband in jail I don't know, you know, maybe both are true, could be, I don't know. But anyway, Angel has spoken to the media about her shock following Raymond's arrest. She said, I'm shocked, I'm stunned. I don't really know that side of him. I know the person he was with me. He was fantastic to me. When the media asked her why she stood by him, Angel said, I mean, they never had anything. They dropped everything, let it go. So nothing came of it until a week or two before he was arrested. I'm devastated for the family. I'm so sorry. But like I said, I didn't know that part of him. I would have described him as a kind, gentle man who would give you the shirt off his back. He loved. Questionable. I never understand why people make statements like this. I know. Um, Just like, shut up. (laughs) He's confessed to murdering a teenage girl. Like, you know. You don't really need to. And he like sodomized a 14 year old or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like people like him should not be given that many chances. No, I agree. But yeah, I was going to say when you were like, I don't get why people have to make these statements. I was going to be like, yeah, literally like no one asked, but I'm sure a reporter went up to her and literally asked, but it's like, no one cares. (laughs) (laughs) So just a few days ago on May 20, 2022, Timothy Taylor's family spoke to the media about the updates in the case. His mother, Jones, said, to God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. We understand the tragic loss of Brittany of her life and it has changed her family forever. As a mother of three, I truly understand. It pains me to even think about losing her child. The years-long fight against false accusations and the media frenzy that have traumatized us, affecting every aspect of our lives, has publicly questioned without reason our family, our family's character, and has shaken us to the core. She went on to say, our family stood by him and consistently spoke out about the false accusations that too often are directed at people who look like us, an age-old story in America. Today, I stand here surrounded by family and close friends and speak on Timothy's behalf because my son has endured enough. Good afternoon, everyone. I must say to God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. The glory. Amen. We are here today, and our hearts do go out to the to the Drexel family, as we always have. We understand the tragic loss of Brittany, of her life, and it has changed her family forever. As a mother of three, I truly understand. It pains me to even think about losing a child. When my son was four years old, he lost his arm and that caused him to fight for his life. 13 years later, at the age of 16, we was faced with the possibility of losing him again. The years long fight against accusations, false accusations, and the media frenzy that ensued us has traumatized us, affecting every aspect of our lives. It has publicly questioned without reason our family, our family's character, and it has shaken us to the core. The latest developments in the case of Brittany Drexel confirm what we knew from day one, the truth that my son Timothy was suspected without any credible evidence of a crime he did not commit. My son maintained his innocence in the face of relentless pursuit by local and federal law enforcement, investigators, and the media. Our family stood by him and consistently spoke out against the false accusations that too often are directed at people who look like us an age-old story in America. Today, I stand here surrounded by family and close friends and speak on Timothy's behalf because my son has endured enough. Yes. So the FBI has also now essentially come out and cleared Timothy. Um, No apology or anything, but obviously which... (laughs) I'm not surprised, but they provided a statement to News 2 and they said, throughout investigation, law enforcement followed multiple leads to wherever they led us based on the information we had at the time. 
We have an obligation to follow leads to their conclusion. The person we believe is responsible for Brittany's murder has been charged. So I've also kind of been keeping an eye out to see if Peter will make a statement. He hasn't yet. Um, uh, I don't know if he will. He probably just wants to put it all behind him, I guess, now that, you know, he really is proven to have nothing to do with this. I'd be so annoyed, like, if I was either one of them. I would have been annoyed this whole time. I just couldn't imagine. No, 13 years. Like, imagine 13. You know, I know that Timothy Taylor probably wasn't in the spotlight for this case for 13 years, but, you know, Peter, imagine having it hanging over your head for 13 years and, you know, but even having like, to go and doctor feel with an attorney to when you really did have nothing to do with that. But even like with Timothy, they were like offering him plea deals basically for this. Imagine <laughs> just like, it just shows you how people falsely get convicted all the time basically yeah i'm glad I feel like that this is they didn't i feel like in this case I, I can't really think of another case where there have been so many people publicly falsely accused yeah i don't i don't think so either no like usually this is why I feel they like... usually don't like say who the persons of interest yeah. are or anything yeah like maybe behind you know, the I scenes get, i get in most cases there are going to be multiple people of interest because you can't clear everyone but yeah, they usually don't come out and name the people and put them in the media. And um, yeah, so I, I I feel like this is a good case to learn from in terms of people really are innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and like I get why with Peter, you know, he was the last one to see her, but then they had really nothing to back that up. And then Taylor one is just crazy because it was like the, really the only thing they seemed to have had was just that an informant said so, and yeah. I feel like it's known that sometimes informants lie. To get like a better um, sentence like, deal or, or something, yeah, yeah, or even just for like retaliation purposes, it could be, yeah, you know. or maybe like he could have been te- like it could have been a girl that may looked like Britney, but still seemed like it was literally just based off of hearsay. The whole story, yeah, it was very poorly um, dealt with. I think, yeah, I hope that Taylor sues for yeah. the shit that he went through. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I also looked up how we were talking about the obstruction of justice charge before. It says that they didn't clarify if his charge was related to her case, but the date listed for the charge is the same day that she disappeared. Okay. So probably so has surely to be. it has to be. You would think has to be related to her. Yeah. I wonder what it is. Maybe like getting rid of her cell phone or something, her body. Yeah. Isn't that like what that is? I feel like it's yeah, usually like sure. when people hide evidence or something. Very strange. I and like it, it, there isn't actually like I know that we know he now killed her and murdered her and things like that, but there isn't actually a lot known about the circumstances. Like did he literally just grab her off the street? Did he somehow – Yeah, like had he been following her? Yeah. Did he week? entice her somehow? Um, That's hopefully. what I really want to know. Yeah, me too. Hopefully we'll learn some more. Because it really – her mom made the point in that letter too of just like it's like a crowded tourist area where I don't know how crowded like that specific spot was but you think there'd be other people out walking around and it wasn't that late at night so it's like I feel like he couldn't have just blatantly grabbed her like from the street easily I don't know unless he like lured her over or like tricked her or maybe had an opportunity where there wasn't a lot of people around I don't know and I like I feel like they tracked down on the cctv of her like it must have been in a more remote area where there was nothing otherwise they would have had this kind of wrapped up a lot sooner you would think it seems like there must not have been a lot of cameras because they added like 13 Mm. after this because they were probably like well if we had more cameras we'd probably know what happened yeah um 
so yeah, I th- that's kind of it in terms of the facts and the up-to-date information for Brittany's case. Um, we did ask on Instagram if anyone had any questions or comments. A lot of the kind of repetitive ones that we got were have the three people that Brittany were within Myrtle Beach ever spoken, and I have never really seen anything that they have said publicly. Yeah, I haven't either. Like I had a look. Um, I don't know. It's obviously been 13 years, so maybe if they did speak early on, things have kind of been, you know, just faded away from the internet. But they definitely haven't been super public with any anything, which, you know, yeah. now for good I mean, reason, they probably had no idea. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be involved either if I was then. Yeah. Um, and like I kind of mentioned before, now that you know all this and know that all these people really probably did have no idea and didn't know what was going on, I get like kind of, sure, it's still shitty, like their standoffish behavior, but I kind of am more understanding to it because they're probably like, I don't even like they clearly weren't that great of friends. They're all probably like, I don't even know this girl. Now her mom is calling me. And you have to remember, they're like 17 to 20 years old. That's like pretty young. I'm sure they didn't really think like Brittany got abducted and murdered. They might have just thought she ran off. Parents couldn't find her. Now you got the mom blowing up your phone. And so I can understand why Peter was like, I'm not her babysitter or something like early on. And I'm sure too that the adults in the lives of the other teenagers would be like, no, don't talk, you know, don't speak mm-hmm. to the Don't media. get involved. There's, there would be nothing good that could have come from them talking. No matter what they said, I feel mm-hmm. like it, it would never have been positive for them, if that makes sense. And how the mom was like asking Peter to go search for her because they weren't mm-hmm. down there yet. He had already left too. Yeah. So... Uh, like yeah it sucks that they weren't I guess compassionate but I feel like it's realistic yeah we um I did get a message to on the Instagram and someone said can you please make sure that in the episode you talk about the wrongfully like I think they were referring to Timothy um like talk about the kind of other suspects because they said they listened to I don't know which podcast but another podcast where they didn't talk about it and I, I kind of understand that because essentially the Timothy issue and you know, maybe not so much Peter because he did actually was, you know, the last one to see her. But mm-hmm. the Timothy issue really in the end has nothing to do with Brittany. It is part of the Brittany story, I guess, because he was forced to be associated with it. But in the end, he really did have nothing to do with this. Yeah. I just like, couldn't imagine for all these years people thinking you could have been involved with a murder of this girl that you don't even know. Like, yeah. could you imagine that stress? And it has to be even like, his even like his family members, I'm sure in the back of their minds, they're like, what if? Yeah. Because you don't know what to believe. Like, even though they stood by him or like, no, he didn't do it. I'm sure even like his close friends and family members, there's just that little tiny, tiny back of of your mind. And it probably his picture was all I remember when it came out, like his picture was all over with her picture. And I'm sure it could have made it harder for him to get jobs, like live his life. Absolutely. Before that, like, yeah, he committed a robbery at a fast food place it's just like it's like a dumb crime it's not murder so it's not like he was already like this terrible criminal yeah it's yeah crazy that he lived for that whole entire you know years and years and years under the suspicion of this yeah i would definitely be suing someone (laughs) but then it also makes you wonder just with all these um leads that were wrong that they focused on could they have found Brittany sooner if there wasn't all that distraction if they weren't focused on the alligator pits and on taylor and this stash house like could they have found her sooner if they put all that energy somewhere else 
had an inkling that maybe Raymond Moody was involved because he was linked to the case in 2011, which was only two years after she disappeared. So, uh, yeah, I feel like I agree. If, if there hadn't been all this kind of noise and they could have focused more in on him, you know, I guess it's always going to be hindsight now. But and they and I know they have to investigate every tip and every lead and all that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like there was a lot of noise and not much actual content for them to kind of investigate. Yeah, and. I- I'd love to know, like, how they picked up on Raymond in the first mm. place. Is it just because he was a sex offender? Maybe they knew he was in the area at the time. So did he live yeah. in the area? Well, or- he did. He lived in Georgetown, because that's where he was arrested for, like, public indecency or whatever it was mm. in Georgetown. So he was definitely in the area. Um, whether or not he kind of traveled around, I'm not sure. But he was known to be local to Georgetown anyway. Yeah, I'd love to know how they, like, picked up on him. So I did read an article um, that stated that Raymond was stopped by police for a traffic violation near Myrtle Beach one day after Brittany disappeared. So I guess that may be part of the reason why they kind of started to look at him and they knew he was a sex offender um, in relation to her case. So, And I think that in the end her last cell phone ping ended up being around eight miles from where he was living at the time. Yeah, so they just looked um, at like sex offenders in the area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's another new article where one of the victims from his like 1983 crime came forward and spoke about what happened to her. It's really, really terrible. So I won't go into details, but if you want to know more about it, you can just Google it. And there's a few articles we'll put, about uh, the interview. Yeah, I'll link it on the We'll link it. it. But basically, he abducted her like off the street by a playground when she was eight years old and stuffed her in his car. And then raped her, an eight-year-old girl. And she only got away because she convinced him to, like, let her use the bathroom. So he let her, like, squat outside of the car. And he, like, let go of her for a second. And she ran away as fast as she could. So there's more. She tells, like, the whole story. Um, It's really one of those upsetting ones, though. So be warned if you want to go look for it. So So he seems like a a terrible person. Yeah, I think over the next little while there might be more and more stories coming out about Raymond Moody, which, you know, it must have been terrifying for poor Brittany as well. Mm-hmm. She also looks young. Like, you, like I know 17 is young, but she also just, like, has – she just looks young. She was tiny. Like, I think she was only, like, five foot something, like, you know, very small and petite. Yeah. And, yeah, she was not, a, you know, like she would have been an easy target, I think, just due to her size and stature. Yeah. But yeah, that's really it with her case. We'll keep posting updates as they come out. So be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere. So I hope this was interesting to you guys. We did get a lot of requests for an episode about this because I think I said this last episode, like it kind of happened so long ago at this point that a lot of people kind of thought it wouldn't be solved. And then you kind of just forget about it over time, all the details anyways. And a lot of people who are newer into true crime might not have been following at that time so hopefully it was interesting to you um everything like all the links and pictures and everything will be on the blog like always at truecrimesocietyblog.com uh like i just said follow us on our instagram that's where we're always posting updates um about all the current events you can follow our personal accounts mine is stephsum underscore olivia's is tcs olivia and they're both linked in the true crime society instagram bio and leave us a review if you haven't, a rating that helps us out a lot. Um, five stars, please. Check 
out our sponsors for this episode. It'll be linked in the episode description. Um, if you ever have questions about any of the sponsors or anything like that, you can always message us. If you forget the codes, you can message us and we'll look them up and give them to you. But using our codes and all that definitely is a big benefit to us. Um, and as always, if you could share the podcast, share it to your Instagram story. We always reshare it a good way to support the show for free that's pretty easy and we always greatly 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 appreciate it i think that's it the usual you guys know what to do thanks for listening as always we'll talk to you guys next week um hope you have a good well i was gonna say i hope you have a good holiday weekend but by the time this comes out it won't be a holiday weekend but i hope you had a good holiday weekend (laughs) um all right peace out (laughs) Oh,